Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Everybody, it is a Wednesday edition of the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Back at Trello, back here with you in the producer chair. And thank you to everybody for all of their congrats and well wishes and, and thoughts for my wife Lisa and I and the birth of our son Luke. It's been a tremendous week for us. He's actually a week old today, and it's been a great week for us and welcoming our new boy home. And I appreciate everybody's support and, and help throughout this whole week. Thanks to Kyle and to Chris. And to chat will be in tomorrow um, for all the help for while well, I'm I've been out and will continue to be out. I'll be back today, but I'll be out the rest of the week, and then I will be back fully back here on the show on Monday. So thanks to Steve too for all of his well wishes and shout outs and thoughts. I did hear a little bit of that uh, earlier last week, towards the end of last week after uh, my son was born. So it's been a, a great week for our family, and I appreciate everybody's well wishes out there, and we'll certainly keep everybody up to date on. How the little guy's doing. But everybody's doing well so far. Everybody's happy and healthy. So it's been a nice week for our family. So I thank everybody for that uh, very much. Um, now, as far as Penn State basketball goes, that was a tough one last night. Uh, I, I got to say, a little disappointed. Now, I can say, I'm not calling this an excuse. And obviously, they wouldn't either. I think Steve would tell you the same thing. But that game against Iowa on Saturday at the Palestra was an emotional one for them. That was an emotional win. That took every gut that they had to come out and pull out and win that game with all the emotion everything that was in there. So I could have seen last night's game be a letdown for Penn State. But what's disappointing is they were still right in this this game at the very until the very end when Rutgers kind of pulled away. That, to me, was the disappointing part, was they still had a chance to grind out another win and they couldn't find a way to get over the hump they had a big game from Mike Watkins MJ Myron Jones had a couple of big shots in the second half too to keep things alive for Penn State but then they just couldn't find a way to get the stops that they needed late and particularly alarming that I that I found interesting was they gave up 42 points in the paint last night now Rutgers is a very good team don't get me wrong there I think they're going to be very dangerous I think they're one of the best teams right now in the Big Ten but I think that's one that I think Penn State let slip away last night. But obviously still plenty of time to go. You finally come back at home and actually play a regular home game against Wisconsin. So I think that Penn State's back to be in a, in a good spot. But that was a disappointing one to, to take last night considering the performances you had. You had three guys in double pig figures, including MJ and Mike Watkins. But you'd like to have seen some stops made defensively 
last night for them to try to pull that one out on the road at Piscataway. So we'll hear from Steve's reaction and his thoughts coming up once he joins us from the Sunbury Motors studio. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Give us a call on your thoughts about the game last night and also what you heard from James Franklin, too, in that report from Steve on some of the moves he's made in addressing the offensive coaching staff. And I like the moves that he's made so far. Those are definitely two guys that are the definition of builders, which is what James Franklin wants. I think bringing a guy like Kirk Shiraka is going to be really good. And I was going to say this last week on the show when it comes to James Franklin bringing Kirk in. Obviously, he's a Pennsylvania man. You love that from York County. We talked to Frank Bodani about that last week. We had a great piece about that. But you look at what he did in Minnesota, and you've seen, I'm going to make this comparison to the Patriots and what Bill Belichick does. He always looks at things that burned him in the past, Steve, and he brings them and makes sure that he only the only way they're going to burn him is if they're burning their opponent. And I think James is now trying to do the same thing with Kirk Shiraka knowing some of the things that Minnesota was able to do quite well against Penn State this past year. Now you're going to have that on your side come forward when you think you're peaking at the right time from a talent standpoint. Oh, I think, uh, but not only that, but I think that in preparing for Kirk Shiraka, I think they saw firsthand, okay, you know what, this guy, just in preparing for him, then you watch the actual play calling itself. You know, this guy knows what he's doing. You know, that's part of it. I think you take a, you know, he's always been on. Did you notice how James, before the game, specifically pointed out Kirk Shiraka in his press conference? You notice that? Talked about him. Pennsylvania guy. See, James, as, as the interview, because that, that's the, uh, that was a sit down that James and I did. Uh, that was the Inside Penn State Athletics. We did that in Dallas. And um, and you notice he said, he said, I know it sounds strange, but I'm always keeping an eye on Pennsylvania guys. Well, it makes complete sense because still, when you start to recruit, you do start, okay, what do I have in my region? And then you start expanding out from there. Well, Pennsylvania guy's going to have a good handle on that. Also, it does not hurt that Kirk Shiraka's wife is also Pennsylvania, and she loves coming. She loved coming back here. She absolutely, you know. But I think when you're preparing for somebody, you get a real good handle on what they're doing, what you know, what they're doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing it. And then I think all of that added up for James Franklin to be like, boy, if I have a chance to hire this guy, if the door's open, he's a guy I've really got to seriously take a long, hard look at at hiring. Well, the opportunity presented itself because Ricky Ronnie left. Well, when that opportunity presented itself, he hired him. Because I think that he's been impressed with him for a long time anyway. He has Pennsylvania roots, great. But I think also in preparing for him, I think that as a head coach, and probably, too, Brent Price, the defensive coordinator, had tremendous respect for what I, how this guy goes about his business. And I am anxious to see what he does with Sean Clifford, Will Levis, this offense. So 
I think exciting times are happening here. Speaking of exciting times, how are you sleeping lately? I've actually been pretty good, but um, Lisa, on the other hand, has not. Oh, see, <laughs> I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. See, I knew. See, what happened was this. Is before the baby was born, before little Luke was born, Matt's been working a lot with the suit. And I knew you were going to get bad parenting advice. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I thought about it. I said, I think I said this. I said, poor Lisa, she's going to be doing all the work. I said, this guy has been badly influenced. <laughs> I have gotten up here and there to, to help, you know, change a diaper or just cover for him if Lisa had to go no. do something else in the middle of the night. But she's, now, me, she's taking the majority no. of the hits, let's say. Oh, yes, I understand that. Now, as the grandparent, now I'm a grandfather of six. I can tell you exactly to the exact number of how many diapers I've changed. None. <laughs> Zero. You want to know why? Because you hey, handed off to mommy and daddy to do. You got that right. You're the ones that you're the ones that said that's our little baby. You're like, yes, okay. And I'm taking all the advantage of the, of the being the grandfather. Okay. Half hour before dinner. Who wants ice cream? <laughs> exactly. Why, boy, Grampy's Gramps is great, isn't he? <laughs> He's just the greatest thing going. Hey, let's go to the toy store. <laughs> and both of our sets of parents will probably be doing the same thing if they weren't oh. starting it already. It's the first grandchild for both of our sides. I am. I'm the worst. What? What? They do something. Parent gets mad. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I get and I get the you wouldn't have said that to us. And I go, well, times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> you mellow out as you age, I, I hear. Oh. I mean, it doesn't mean they can't do something wrong or like you said, oh, okay. But I was it's okay. It's the grandkids. <laughs> uh, that's the you know, it's the way I am. <laughs> let's go let's go get some frozen yogurt. We're eating in ten minutes. Okay. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> And I'm, you know, and I'm, yes, I'm the grandfather that shows up at the recitals. I'm the one that shows up at the ball games. I'm the one, you know. Excellent. I just, yep. But everything's fine. Luke is walking now. No? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I certainly missed something if that was the case. So what happens when you're working here? Time flies. <laughs> that's true. Yes. <laughs> but that's, you know. So she's tired. You feel great because you never have to wake up. Yeah. But he actually oh. slept the best last night. So Lisa got the most amount of sleep that, that she's gotten since we brought him home. So I think well, things might be looking up, but I'm going to knock on wood as I say that. You could say that all you want. I want to talk to her. <laughs> 
I want to talk to her. I want to find out. Finding out from you means nothing. Yeah. To you, this is like some joyride. Yeah. Right? Until they get to college. Right? Then you're looking around saying, Lisa, I know you got up all the time, but now I'm the one losing sleep. How do I pay for this? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) When my son Christopher got married in June, he was the fifth and last one to get married. Okay? So I'm staying there with Jack Ham and Dick Girardi at the reception up in St. Mary's. They said, boy, what a big day. I said, yeah, it's a big day. I said, I just want you guys to know, this first half of the reception, I said, it's for Chris and Angela. Jack said, what's the second half about? I said, it's the last one I'm having getting married, buddy. I said, this is the last half's for me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, <laughs> after a while, you're like, uh, Okay, how much is the rehearsal dinner? Here's the check. How much is it for the rehearsal dinner? Here's the check. Here's the... <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh... <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. Jeff Byers today. Tough wrestling news. Anthony Kassar done for the year. The NCAA champ. Ooh, hate to hear that. I'll talk to Jeff about that and more coming up as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. I think that sounded prophetic, don't you think? I think the NFL does regret the day they went with instant replay on pass interference, don't you? Oh, yeah. No question about that. And you you, you saw that on the opposite side with the way the uh, Seahawks 49ers game ended two weeks ago. Yeah. They just don't want to do it. You know, it's like... So, yeah, there's so many stoppages. Now, last night there was a replay on flagrant one. And to be honest with you, Dick and I were at a huge disadvantage last night because the only replays we had were the scoreboard. And what they showed in the scoreboard, you're like, okay, I don't see what they're looking at. Well, I guess now, you know, I went back and looked at it, and Wheeler got him good. Wheeler deserved his flagrant. Penn State, like Iowa and Nebraska last night, I think because of the heat on Saturday, they both ran out of gas. The last 10 minutes, Penn State had no legs. Didn't shoot the ball well from the outside, except for Myron Jones. And in the first half, Rutgers gave them, and Rutgers was ball chasing. Penn State has so many wide open threes that they didn't knock them down the first half. Um, but Penn State did not win the rebounding battle, did not win points over off turnovers, did not win second chance points, did not win fast break points, and what was the other one? I said 42 bench, points in the paint they gave up. Yeah, bench points, didn't win that. Points in the paint, bench points. They didn't win any of them last night. Zero. You're not going to win any games doing that. They're going to win A. That's not Penn State basketball. 
Now, I will say this about the free throw line. I'm getting a little sick of the pattern I'm seeing here with the free throw line deal. And I'm not saying this is the winning or losing of last night. I'm not. Because the offense, I just said that the Wheeler flagrant was absolutely justified. The second foul on Lamar Stevens, where he got called for an offensive foul, it's just a ter- flat out terrible call. Terrible. And then the third foul he got, where Harper went to the floor, I'm 150 feet away. 150 feet. I could see he tripped over his own two feet. He tripped over his own two feet. Lamar didn't even touch him. He tripped over his own two feet. Foul. Get in position. What kind of call was that? So that, you know, getting no replay. <coughs> but I stuck to my guns. I said he tripped over his own two feet. Dana O'Neill from The Athletic texted Dick, said, tell Steve who's right. He tripped over his own two feet. Okay? Okay. This is what I'll give you in four. Penn State's played four Big Ten games right now. Now, I am not saying ever that it has to be a 50-50 split on free throw attempts, ever. But in four Big Ten games, Penn State has attempted 69 free throws. The opponent has made 88. Okay, Penn State has attempted 69. The opponent's made 88. Penn State is a minus 45 free throw attempts in four games. That's 11 fewer free throw attempts per game. That's a chasm. Now, there's something not right with that, especially when you have two downhill players like Lamar Stevens and Mike Watkins. They're downhill guys. That's not style of play. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Horse Ring in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. mentioned last night, I was talking about the officiating part of it. 
I mean, the the offensive foul called on Lamar was a was. I'm sorry, it's just a flat out terrible call. You know, we all we all do something wrong. I mean, I made maybe a couple bad calls during the broadcast. Didn't affect the game though. And then Harper falling to the floor, he tripped over his own two feet. You got to get yourself in better position, man. Uh, the worst thing you can do in a, as an official is guess. Assume what happened. Can't do that. Okay? Can't do that. It's not your job. But Penn State lost that game last night. Now, that played a factor because I thought Lamar became less aggressive, didn't play his normal game. Probably for about 15 minutes, Lamar didn't really play like Lamar because I think he was affected by the fouls. Wheeler only played 11 minutes last night, but look, he's the one that got the flagrant. He earned that call. Um, That's on him. But Penn State did not win last night because Penn State didn't win the key categories. Rebounding. Points off turnovers. Points in paint. Bench points. Second chance points. Fast break points. And Penn State has dominated the category of the combo of blocks and steals. They lost that last night, too. You're not going to win that game. Penn State did not win categories that Penn State needs to win to win the game. Penn State won none of those last night. Zero. When you do that, you are not going to win. So now they got to bounce back against Wisconsin. Wisconsin's got Illinois tonight in Madison. I think part of last night's issue was Saturday. So much was put in Saturday. And in that heat, it was over 80 degrees on the floor. I think it took a lot out of both teams. Iowa played the same way out at Nebraska last night. All right. So, uh, let's add some interesting numbers dealing with the college football playoff. And when you look at, at the numbers, the traditional day for people to lock in and watch college football is January 1st. I think that's fair to say, right? And when you look at the numbers of the college football playoff, they've all been good. But if you take a closer look at the numbers... You'll notice that January 1 is not only the day, but it's the day by a wide margin. Wide margin. The first year they had the playoff, it was New Year's Day. And it was the Rose and Sugar Bowls. And the numbers were off the charts. The numbers the second year, in 2015 were about 60% of what they were from that opening year. Now, the opening year had the newness of it, but it had the Rose Bowl factor. 
It had the New Year's Day factor. and a lot of factors going in its favor. Second year, they decide they're going to play it on New Year's Eve. You know, they don't want to tamper with the rose of the sugar. I'm going to get to that in a second. So now let's look at the last four years in terms of the viewership of the college football playoff. And I think th- there are some answers in here just by looking at the numbers. If you go back to 26, because they started playing this thing, they decided to do the New Year's Eve thing. They found out right away that probably wasn't the way to do it. And then they went to the Saturday deal, like this year, saying that they felt that that was the best way to do it. I think if you're smart about this, there's a better way to do it. But here are the numbers. 2016 was played on New Year's Eve. Alabama-Washington was the early game at 19.3 million viewers. Clemson-Ohio State, the nightcap, 19.2. So let's just say 38.5 million, all right? The next year was a Rose Bowl-Sugar Bowl year. So the games were on January 1st. Georgia-Oklahoma was the early game. was the Rose Bowl. And not only that, it was a terrific game that Georgia won in overtime. It drew 27 million. The late game was Alabama-Clemson, and the Sugar Bowl drew 21.5. So you're talking about 48.5 million viewers on January 1st. Remember, the year before had been 38.5. So it's 10 million more on New Year's Day. One year ago, 2018, December 29th, it's the Cotton Bowl, Clemson-Notre Dame, and it's the Orange Bowl, Alabama-Oklahoma. Clemson-Notre Dame is the single lowest number. Yes, there's that Notre Dame factor again. Again, I keep going back. Notre Dame's numbers are not what they were 30 years ago. They aren't even in the same realm. Clemson-Notre Dame was 16.8 million. That's the fewest viewers for a college football playoff game. And it was a route. Clemson won the game in the Cotton Bowl easily. Was it 35 nothing? Some number like that. The nightcap was Alabama-Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. 19 million. Second lowest in that three-year span. So you totaling there between those two there, you're talking what thirty six million viewers. Now there's this year. This year once again ended up being December twenty eighth. LSU Oklahoma was the opener at four o'clock. Peach Bowl drew seventeen point two million. The nightcap, and I never did see the game, but everybody has told me that Clemson Ohio State was just a terrific game. To 21.1 million. Which in this four-year span is the third highest rate 
okay, behind the January 1st games. So between the two of them, that's a little bit better than $38 million, which is where it was in 2016. Better than last year, comparable to 2016. It's still $10 million fewer than January 1, 2017. So what gives you the best shot at making this happen? Let's start with this. Matt, you're a young guy. I'm going to assume that by seeing the rose and the sugar on New Year's Day the way it is now, the Rose Bowl obviously has always been in this time slot. You probably have assumed because the sugar gets the coveted spot every year that they always have been in that time spot at 8 o'clock, right, or 845, right? Yeah, it's always been that way as far as I've been watching. Right. And that is so far from the truth, it's stunning. The Sugar Bowl actually, in my lifetime, has been at times a nomad as to when it's been played. It actually, if you had to pick a bowl game that has been ripped off by the system, it's actually the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl was the one that was in that 8.30 time slot for decades. Decades. The Sugar Bowl was actually has time slots all over the place. It has been in the morning at 11 a.m. And for four years in a row, it was on New Year's Eve. Penn State played twice on New Year's Eve in the Sugar Bowl in the 70s. Then it got moved back to January 1. Then it's been New Year's Eve again in 95. January 4th, January 3rd, January 2nd. January 1, 4, 3, 2, well, now January 2nd counts as a, although back-to-back years, that that wouldn't, so it's been all over the lot. Okay? It's been all over the lot. Next year, it'll be a semifinal, and then in 23, it's a semifinal. So next year, it deserves its 8.30 time slot. The so they're the ones that have been, that have moved all over the place. Sometimes eleven a.m. Sometimes at night. Sometimes opposite the Orange Bowl. It's interesting. So this is what I would do. I would take January 1 and I'd make it the playoff day. But I would keep the Rose Bowl there no matter what. The Rose Bowl gets the 5 o'clock spot. That's the one that's never moved. Always at 5 o'clock. I would put one semifinal game 
to lead at 1 o'clock. I put the other semifinal game after the Rose Bowl at 8.30, and I think you'd have a blockbuster day. And on the years, like 22, or what is it, next year, my apologies, next year, 21, and um, and January 1st, 2024, where it's the Rose and the Sugar, just make them back-to-back. And put one of the other ones in front of it. I, I, would, I would sandwich... In non-Rose Bowl playoff years, I would sandwich the two playoff games around the Rose Bowl and make it a blockbuster day. I think it would give you the best shot at ratings and grow the game. That way you settle in on New Year's Day and just have a good time and enjoy yourself. That's the traditional day people watch college football. Give them what they want. What do you think of that? I think the Rose Bowl should have a semifinal game every year because of the magnitude of it, and then you can rotate whether you have the other playoff game before or after that. Well, I think you're going to do if you're going to do this college football playoff deal. I think you can't just have one. Uh, I I don't mind the rotation. Just keep the Rose Bowl in its spot and have the games move around that. But I do like it on New Year's Day. I, I think when they moved it the last couple of years, including this past year, was a mistake on their part. I think New Year's uh, Day is the primary spot because now. You have such a, you have a wider gap than usual now between those two games and the national championship game. National championship game isn't until next week. I know it's Monday night. Right. You're like he get. I look at one thing that I think that what you don't want to do is you don't want to have people having to search for your event. I think that's an important thing. Don't have people search for your game. And I think the fact that, you know, if they're not searching for your game and they can they settle in, it's already in their mind, it's, okay, when's it going to be next year? Well, next year it's going to be New Year's Day. The year after, I don't know what Saturday it is before New Year's Day. I have no idea. Uh, let's see. Next year's a Friday, January one. And they made um, that's a Saturday on January first. What are you going to do with that year? Well, that makes no sense because they are going to play the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl on January one, twenty twenty two. Hmm. So what are they going to do? Play it on December 20... 24th? Can't do that. Wow. That, uh, I th- if, if you're seeing New Year's Day 
drawing exponentially more fans. And I just gave you the numbers, right? Don't you want to take advantage of that? I mean, if you look at the NFL, Steve, with the way the playoffs, or even regular season, you know what times games are all the time. And I think that's part of the reason why they're so successful and their ratings are always good. Because playoff games, you know, wild card weekend is always going to be Saturday is always going to be 435 or 815. And, you know, Sunday is going to be 1 and 430. And it's pretty similar with divisional weekend except for this year. Conference championship Sunday, you know, it's once at 305, once at 630. And then, you know, Super Bowl 630. Like, you know that every year. Now, you can have the rotation. I don't necessarily don't mind that necessarily. But if you keep it on the same day and you keep it in those time slots you mentioned, 1, 5, 8, 30, whatever, however you want to roll around with it, then people already have in their heads, okay, I know they're going to be on this day and right. one of these times. Exactly. And I think fans need to have something to count on. I mean, next year is easy. Next year, there's going to be great ratings regardless of who's in it. It's going to be the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl in the upcoming year. Okay. And that's, to me, that is going to be a ratings bonanza. But then what do you do in the years after that? All right, we'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WK. All right, so yeah, next year they're all set. Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and the Peach Bowl all be on the first next year, which will be a Friday, and then the Fiesta Bowl and the Orange Bowl will be on Saturday the second. Okay, that's that's fine. The Cotton Bowl is going to be on the thirtieth. Um, but then the year after, January 1's a Saturday, and they don't have anything here that indicates what they're doing. Cotton Bowl, Orange Bowl, they listed as January 1. There's no way they're playing it on January 1. I don't think they know what to do. Somebody tells me that's going to be New Year's Eve. That's going to be the 31st. And that doesn't work. Then the year after, it's the 31st as well. I think when you start tinkering with something that really works, we're going to create a new tradition. Uh, no. Go with what works. Jeff Byers is what works. We're going to talk wrestling with him next half hour. Tough day, tough news with Anthony Kassar now done for the year. The defending heavyweight champ here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.